from legendary locals we all know to people you should get to know. Follow Ipswich Today on your favourite app and never miss an episode or go to ipswichtoday.com.au. Coming up, it's NAIDOC week between July 4 and July 11. This year's theme is Heal Country. Country is inherent to Indigenous identity and it's more than a place. During this National NAIDOC Week, I'm joined by local foodie and chef Jason Davidson, who's made his own discovery about his family's Indigenous history. It's Wednesday, July 7, 2021, and I'm Alan Roebuck. Welcome to Ipswich Today, which acknowledges the traditional custodians of the land on which it is produced and pays respects to elders past, present and emerging. This podcast is supported by Kinetics, people-powered web hosting trusted by Australian businesses since 1999. On today's show, my special guest is Jason Davidson. Jason moved to Ipswich in 1995 to further enhance his career as a chef. He went on to open Fig Jam Cafe in Limestone Street and then won the hearts, minds and taste buds of thousands of Ipswich residents through major catering contracts at events and festivals. A little over 20 years ago, Jason discovered some previously hidden family history, and he joins me now. Thanks for speaking with Ipswich today, Jason. Yeah, no problem, Alan. Let's start at the very beginning. Where were you born and educated? Okay, uh, I was born in Bendigo in Victoria, uh, educated in Victoria, uh, sorry, in Bendigo at Flora Hill High School. Uh, left school when I was uh, 15 in two, no, uh, 83 and became an apprentice chef. And started that in a hospital, actually. Um, it was a good good place to, to learn the basics of cooking. Back then, cooking was done all in the hospital, so we brought in whole beasts, um, half beasts, and broke them down. We did all sorts of things in those days. Um, so it was a really good learning experience. What are your earliest family memories? I used to love uh, playing footy and tennis and cricket. I was very sporty when I was when I was young. When I was a young fella, um, school was just up the road, so I just had to walk down the down the hill. Um, and then um, lots of time summers were spent in the swimming local swimming pool, and um, yeah, basically playing sport and and uh, hanging around my house. You've told us about your first job at the hospital. Was there something happening at high school that sort of led you to that job? Yeah, high school. Um, well, you know, you could get to have a crack at most things at school when you um, can play with timber or metalwork or cookery. So I, we had a uh, year in year eight, we had a year of cookery and I, I really liked it. I took to it like duck to water really and um, enjoyed it and plus you know, I was one of the only boys in the classroom with heaps of girls, so that was um, even better. So that really toughened you up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, it's interesting you say that because it was the girls that did the cooking. It was very, well, typecast at the time. Uh, young people today, though, looking at a career as a chef, have so many more role models in the media. Did you have any back then? Not really, not really. Uh, there was no... There certainly wasn't any um, things like MasterChef or any of those sort of shows. Um, I just sort of liked it. I like I like cooking. I mum always let me do whatever I wanted in the kitchen, so that was always um, fun. I always made cakes and that for my granddad for his 80th and all that sort of thing. And yeah, 
I don't know if they were that good, but everyone said they were all right. <laughs> there was none left by the sounds of it. <laughs> now, yeah. after the hospital, where, where did your career take you? Well, I spent my probably year and a half, uh, my first first sort of year and maybe into my second year of my apprenticeship, and then I got a job. Um, I was sort of looking elsewhere then, so then I got a job on a seafood restaurant down in Lakes Entrance, which is down in Gippsland, um, and that was an awesome job. It was a floating restaurant, and... Um, one, one occasion or several occasions actually we used to get really busy and sell out of the, the sand crab, the bula bays, which we had on the menu and um, the chef used to get me to go and get more crabs, but I had to catch them. So Oh, no. <laughs> we just threw the net over the edge. Back in those, like I'm talking uh, early 80s, so there's still plenty of fish and crabs and stuff. Yep. Um, threw the net over the side of the pontoon and... 10, 15 minutes later, pulled up three or four fresh crabs and we threw them straight in the pot and right ready for the next order. So wow, that was, that's amazing. Yeah, so that was a, that was a really great memory, those. That was, the place was called Sloop John D. From there, you, you want to Google that? Yeah, well, we'll have to do that. Um, <laughs> so you made your way, sounds like you did a bit of a travelling road show and you ended up in Queensland. So what, what happened between uh, then and now to get to Ipswich? Uh, yep, so basically... Uh, after a couple of few months, probably six or eight months, I travelled back up to Benio, got a bit of homesick, so went up there and got a job in a bistro and did all that sort of bistro cooking and all that sort of thing and rest, another small restaurant. And then um, I was playing football at the same, playing Aussie Rules at the same time, so then I, um, a mate of mine was up here in Queensland. He was coaching the University of Queensland Red Lions. Um, and I just finished my apprenticeship, so I, I was a free free agent, and um, so I, I come up here and um, started playing footy. So yeah, that that was uh, that was what was that sort of uh, late eighties, mm-hmm. sort of about eighty seven. Yeah, yeah. So so I come up here, and, um, and then I sort of took off with a mate and went travelling around up through Asia through India, and um, ended up in Europe. And how, and, how uh, lucky are you to do that? You couldn't do it today. No, exactly, <laughs> exactly. There's a few issues now. <laughs> yeah, you feel sorry for our generation of kids coming through. You know, they've got such such opportunity. They can work anywhere in the world with this digital stuff, but at the same time they can't travel because, you know, this dreaded COVID. So it is it is a... It is, it is uh, sad for these kids of today, but I guess they'll they'll adapt. You know, that's one thing they will do is adapt. But uh, yeah, so I just worked over. I worked in a restaurant in uh, Ipswich, believe it or not, in Suffolk, in the UK. And, yeah, uh, worked in a, a fine diner in in um, the UK, and also worked in a chalet in in Austria. Um, yeah, so um, come back to Australia again after that. It was about 1995 that you landed in Ipswich, Australia, back from Ipswich in the UK. Why did you choose Ipswich? Why did we choose Ipswich? Actually, I've missed a, I've missed a bit of a chapter there. Oh, all right. I, well, you uh, better you better give us that chapter then. <laughs> <laughs> we came back. I came back from Europe and then and came back up to Queensland again. And uh, then I decided I wanted to go to Canada. So I um, and being a chef, you can work pretty much anywhere in the world. So I took off to Canada. And that's about the same time as I met my wife, Michelle. I met her in Australia just before I left. 
and then went over to Canada for a couple of years, worked over there in Italian restaurants um, on the side of a mountain, um, Whistler Mountain, just out of Vancouver. Very famous and, spot. Yeah, mm. yeah. So I worked there in an Italian restaurant. We sort of, our shallow, our, where we lived was like 100 metres from the chairlift. It was um, awesome. So we did a lot of skiing, a lot of cooking pasta <laughs> in an Italian restaurant. And then, and then uh, we got pregnant and come back to um, Australia. And at the time, we had nowhere to go. All we had was a backpack and a baby. Well, a baby coming and probably a lettuce box to to put him in to sleep in. So that was about all we had. You then so had to start came... taking life seriously. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's it. That's it. So we came. We came back to Queensland because that's where Michelle was from. And uh, her. Her sister and brother-in-law were um, at the, the boys' grammar school as boarding masters. They had a spare room downstairs, so we lobbed in there with our young fella. And that's Thank how you. you ended up here. Yes, that's exactly how I ended up here. It's a big move from being an employee, travelling the world on your meal ticket, which was being a chef, to actually opening your own business. Tell us about how Fig Jam Cafe came to be. I, uh, I started working at the Bakehouse Steakhouse, actually, for um, Gary and Wynne Parcell. And um, together we sort of got that going. And um, an opportunity, everyone said, why don't you open a restaurant? And I thought, well, okay. And a fellow called Peter Ray said, well, I've got a building in uh, Limestone Street. Are you interested in going into that? So I said, yeah, cool. So we went into there and... Um, I, as we've been away for so long, I'd never heard of um, this term fig jam. So um, a friend of mine, Anne Brazzle, who lives on top of the hill there, she she uh, she said to me, um, why don't you call it fig jam? And um, because I was overseas for so long, I thought, yeah, fig jam. Yeah, well, that's food orientated. That's fantastic. And um, <laughs> I like it. And um, yeah, and then she told me what, what the um, what people who say that sort of thing was meant? I thought, yeah, that's it. That's our that's the name of our um, <laughs> that's the name of our business right there and then. Well so, done. Um, I imagine it was a sharp learning curve owning the business and still being passionate about food. Yes, absolutely. Um, and I'm you know, that was twenty five years. Well, what is it? Yeah, twenty five years ago. It was a long time ago. Um, so. I've learned a hell of a lot. I've been in the, hard, the school of hard knocks. We've um, gone through a lot of um, different different things and difficult things along the way. If it wasn't for the support of my family, and um, you know, we probably wouldn't to be where we are today. But um, certainly, is it it's like it's not like going into a kitchen and just cooking up something and and knowing that people love your food, but you've got to sort of make a dollar out of it as well. So. That's the challenge of um, owning your own restaurant. Was the cafe the jumping off point for you to take on uh, other catering for large events and festivals? Um, yeah, it was, it was a bit of, like we were doing a bit of that as Razor Sharp catering prior to when I was at, um, with Wynn and Gary. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're doing a bit of catering and then um, Pete sort of come up with that idea that we should open a cafe. So the, the sort of uh, sounding or jumping stone from from the catering into the cafe, and then it just made sense that it all become one business. So then we became Fig Jam Catering and Cafe. So 
that's how it um, how it sort of went from there. And then then we sort of grew from from the cafe just just by everyone knowing who we were in town, really. Am I right in thinking that the former Ipswich Festival Ball held over at the workshops was your biggest or one of your biggest undertakings? Yes, yes, that was a one-off event. Of, um, we sort of got around the 500 mark um, in the shed over there, which was which was always a challenge. And every we did a few of those. We did quite a few of those actually, and um, they're always a big challenge. Like you know, you got to set up a makeshift kitchen and and feed. People, like 500 people and so the systems and we got the grammar school boys to help us dish up and that was a good good uh, experience for those boys as well and so yeah no, it was it was one of those um one of those events that were was always a challenge it was, you, you knew you were in for a hundred hour week when you when you had the uh the mayor's ball on on the friday night <laughs> fig jam yeah. cafe eventually ran its course in limestone street how many years were you there uh, seven. We were there seven years. And what and did then, you take uh, on next? Uh, well, in that sort of seven years, we, uh, there's something wrong with me. I can't sort of concentrate on one thing at a time. So <laughs> the uh, Ipswich Club sort of, um, someone said, oh, the Ipswich Club's up for lease. So I thought, oh, well, that sounds like a great opportunity. And it, I really loved I really loved it. So I had, um, I had a good chef with me at the time. So I said, right, you look after this and I'll, I'll zip over to the Ipswich Club, and um, so we did that, and then, uh, yeah, so that, the Ipswich Club was a beautiful place, we had a lot of weddings through there, um, yeah, so that that was a nice memories as well, especially the old ghost there, that was lovely. Yeah, I've heard a few stories, have you been there on your yeah. own, have you been disturbed? Oh, I've been downstairs in the office lots of times and heard people walking around upstairs, and <laughs> go up there, and there's nothing there, it's just like, whoa, okay. A little over 20 years ago, we're going back to your family history now, Jason. A little over 20 years ago, you had time to discover and rediscover your family history. And NAIDOC Week is a good time to ask you about the uncovering of your own Indigenous family history. How did this come about? One day I was, um, was at work and um, the phone rang and there was this bloke on the line and he said, um, G'day, um, I'm your dad. <laughs> oh, right, okay. There you go. And I knew I had... I knew I had um, a dad, uh, obviously, but um, I knew I had a stepdad. So anyway, we arranged for him to come up and um, the kids, we had a couple of kids, uh, Jacob and Abby at that stage. Um, so that was, yeah, around the third, I was around 30 years old. So um, he came up and, and um, yeah, the funny thing was we were down in the backyard chatting and Michelle was in the kitchen and she, she said she couldn't tell it was talking and we both sounded so alike. So wow. it was quite amazing actually. It was um, like I've never, he left He left when I was four. My mum and uh, him split up when, we were, when I was four. Um, so I didn't really know him, but just the habits and all is so familiar. It's uh, it's amazing really. But um, yeah, so yeah, I met him and then yeah, we've sort of, got to know him for over the last 20 years and met the extended family and cousins and they're all down in Victoria and South Australia. But, um, yeah, it's been a fabulous ride. Can you describe how you were feeling as you got deeper and deeper into this family history? 
I'm feeling I'm feeling a bit saddened actually that I sort of missed all those chapters in my life. I was I was um, yeah, I, I, it was something I'd really love to have been part of um, and learn learn a lot of of our heritage. Like um, there's so much so much interesting things, especially around that um, southwestern Victoria and like Gutta Jamara and the the lakes there with the um, fish traps and all that sort of things, all part of our history of thousands of years. And it's like, you know, it's something that I'd sort of missed being um, separated from, from my um, family and cousins on, on that side, my dad's side. So, yeah, I was, I have been, it has been a journey, um, an emotional journey, and I can, I can understand how these people feel with this lost generation, like, yeah, I can certainly feel how they feel now. Yeah. So you, you, you really identify now with your mob and, and who are they? Uh, the Gojamara and Naranjiri and um, my grandmother, she's Mnundik from the mouth, of, uh, the mouth of the Murray in South Australia. So, so that's the Coorong area, yeah. So you've got connections <laughs> with uh, South Australia and Western Victoria. Yes, so they're fabulous. And uh, my cousins are doing some amazing things down there the Indigenous people, so yeah, I'm really proud, yeah. You've taken the original name of Fig Jam to create the online store Fig Jam & Co at Based North Ipswich, and, yep. you know, fleshing out your Indigenous history, you've really thrown yourself into traditional bush tucker in the menu options. Tell us about your bush tucker learning journey. Well, that's given me a new skip in my step, to be honest, Alan. I've, um, I've I've cooked all over the world. I've worked in five-star hotels and all all the rest of it, you know, what chefs do. But I needed something new and um, to give me another kick along in, in the business. And um, I'm discovering um, native foods and indigenous foods and got some um, great mentors and, and likes of Dale Chapman um, up on the sunny coast. She's teaching me so much about ingredients and things and, it's, I'm just meddling with it and, and creating recipes based on my knowledge of my travels around the world and using Indigenous ingredients to um, enhance enhance the, uh, the recipes and also um, enhance the, um, the bush food tucker as well. So it's yeah, it's just been it's been awesome. I'm really loving loving it again. Like I've got my <laughs> I've got my passion back. I don't think you ever lost it, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know. You don't know. Throw, throw a bit of COVID in there. And, uh, well, know, well, look. Let's talk. Let's talk about that. Um, <clears throat> how has that affected your business and you personally? Basically, um, one of the other big events we do is the CMC Rocks out at um, out at Willow Bank. We've um, done that for five years, uh, feeding the backstage and the crew. And uh, that's a fabulous event for us. Like that's a real um, injective income into our year. And it was Friday the 13th. I'll never forget the day um, of March, Friday the 13th of March. The Grand Prix was, um, the Melbourne Grand Prix was on that Friday. That's a Friday. Mm-hmm. And uh, bang, they said, oh, it's been cancelled by this thing called COVID. I've gone. Oh my God! Anyway, I was talking to Annie from Chug Entertainment, and she goes, "Oh, it's not looking good because we were supposed to start on the Monday, the 16th of yes, March." Yes. They were all set up. We we're all ready to rock and roll, and uh, pardon the pun. And um, yeah, 
got the cancellation note. So that was the start of it for us. Yeah. So, so that so. just knocked the wind out of your catering sales completely for a good while. Uh, six months. Yeah. Six months, I didn't earn a dollar. But yeah. you fought on, and here we are, what is it, uh, a year and a half into COVID. How's, how's yeah. things travelling for you now? Yeah, well, I think we've all sort of learned to accept it and get on with life. Um, once we all get the jab, they're trying to get us to get the jab. Um, I think uh, we'll, everyone will have a bit more confidence in, in moving around and doing things as per pre-COVID. So, yeah, no, things, things are on the mend. It's, it's going to take me a couple of years to catch up where we left off. But, um, you know, you've got to think, think positive, think forward and think about, um, you know, how we can move on. You know, it's no, we can't sort of sit around and, and, um, and be sad. So, so yeah, so we've, we've moved on. We're, we're, we're realising what's happening. And, um, yeah, so we're Supply Nation certified now. I went to a meet, meeting um, at um, Fire Station 101, actually. It was an Indigenous business meeting. And this lady uh, asked if I was... Um, part of the uh, Supply Nation Network, and I said, no, and she said, well, you should be. So I signed up, and it's been the best thing we've done. It's, um, uh, it's opened up a whole lot of doors to the corporate... So, corporate so what's it world. called, Jason, the, the Supply Nations Network? Supply Nation, yeah. And, and so, what does that bring to you? Uh, it's Indigenous businesses. So we're um, 100% Indigenous-owned, so we're certified um, Supply Nation, mm-hmm. and... Uh, so that opens up a lot of doors for these big corporate companies um, who want to deal with Indigenous companies. So, it's um, yeah, it's really, really pushed us along nicely. Fantastic news. Let's finish up with, uh, again, talking about NAIDOC Week. What does NAIDOC Week now mean to you since you've uncovered your Indigenous family history? Well, NAIDOC, um, to me, is a celebration of, um, of who we are and what we bring to to um, Australian society, um, and the more I discover, the more intriguing it is of um, our history and 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 how we share and um, how we love each other. Uh, I think that's something that is really uh, unique within the Indigenous community. Is um, you just feel so comfortable when you when you're with um, talking with people, so that's probably what NADOC, NADOC means for me. It's um, it's acceptance from everyone on who you are and where you are and what you're doing. So yeah, Jason Davidson from Fig Jam and Co. Thank you so much for taking time out to talk with Ipswich today. No worries, thanks, Alan. Ipswich today is supported by Kinetics, people-powered web hosting trusted by Australian businesses since 1999. This podcast is also listener-supported. Please make a once-only gift or regular donation to help keep it online. Just go to ipswichtoday.com.au and click the Donate button at the bottom of the page. You can follow this podcast on your favourite app, including iHeartRadio, or play Ipswich Today from your smart speaker. Music is supplied by Purple Planet Music. This is Alan Roebuck. Thanks for listening.
Enjoying Ipswich today? Please share the love on your socials.